What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio. But when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, mfceo.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. Welcome to the Big MX Radio podcast show brought to you by FMF and the Fast House. I apologize for my voice not being 100% on point today, but who will be on point and is every time we have him on the podcast. His second time on the podcast, he is a repeat offender, goes by the name of Troy Benjamin. Troy, how's it going? What's happening? Hey, dude, it's uh, it's silly season. Guys, numbers are changing. It's uh, Everything is a buzz. Uh, of course, uh, uh, Back by Popular Demand is our year in review podcast. Of course, we, we did our first uh, 250 review uh, almost three weeks ago now. We uh, had a little bit of a disconnect based with uh, the Montreal Supercross and, uh, and a, a couple of busy schedules. But, uh, dude, it, this is an exciting time of the year. Like, uh, seeing today that uh, Shane McElrath will be uh, running the 12 for next year, Jake uh, Jake the Snake, uh, Weimer relinquishing that uh, based on his retirement, and uh, um, I think uh, I think it's funny that uh, uh, Colt Nichols and um, RJ Hampshire will switch numbers for next year. The uh, RJ is going back to thirty one, and uh, and Colt Nichols is going back to tw- uh, thirty nine. So that's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, like new numbers, and um, yeah, and. Like as a side note, I seriously think more people are excited to see Travis Pastrana at the World Cross Nations than they are to see Eli Tomac. Dude, he's going two stroke too, which yeah. I think is like I kind of want to see him on four fifty. To oh, be yeah. honest, just to have a fighting chance, but uh, people are going to go crazy for him on that two stroke. So I mean, that's going to be cool. Yeah, I, I feel like the the excitement around uh, the MXDN, which is only about twelve days away, maybe a little less now, um, is a little bit underwhelming. I feel like like this is a big race. I feel like I thought there would be a little bit more kind of fanfare and like more um, like inclusivity around what those guys are up to leading up to it, given the fact that it's on home soil. But uh, maybe uh, maybe the production people are, are like kind of keeping things close to the vest, um, hoping to, to blow things up the, the week prior to. Well, knowing Redbud, too, and just being there over the years, that place is not going to be quiet. And no. I don't think anybody <laughs> – I don't think, uh, you know, the, the quiet um, – the calm before the storm, I guess you'd call it right now. Um, I don't think that's going to hurt anything. Um, but when it's time for people to chant red, Bud, it's going to, I'll probably hear it from home. In oh, Kentucky, for sure. So. It definitely. Yeah. Sure I wish I could go. I wish I could go. Hey, I, I wish I was going as well. The plan was originally to go. Uh, unfortunately, uh, with the work schedule I'm on right now, it's not going to work out, but, um, uh, that just makes me that much more uh, incentive to uh, save up my beans and and head off to a, uh, a more cross nations on the other side of the pond. But uh, um, like before we get into the 450 classes, kind of like a, a year in review, both Supercross and outdoors, mostly outdoors though. Um, what were your thoughts on some of the like the results from the uh, Montreal Supercross? First time it's back in uh, six years. Uh, Malcolm Stewart comes in, pretty much brings an entire race bike uh, compared to uh, most guys that had suspension bars and uh, some clamps. Maybe um, what, what was you like? Did, did you get any of that footage? Did you see? Uh, did you see the results? What were your thoughts? See, uh, you know, you guys made it really hard for us in the United States oh, yeah. to view this race. <laughs> see, that's so what I was getting at: is that in this race was basically it, like it was on Twitter. It like, there was no way to take in this yeah, race. Like, you could look at the results and you could keep up with live timing, but that was it. And I think that's a huge bummer. I was definitely bummed. I, I was kind of excited to see a return and then I couldn't even find anything. And yeah, basically I just lived off Twitter to find out what actually happened. And so, yeah, I mean, seeing Malcolm back and on the, the Honda was, was cool again. I think he's going to be comfortable on that. Um, this year I mean it's what he won a title on so he already showing his comfort on that Colt Nichols was cool um I mean I heard there was some drama I think that went down with like Phil and um 
Who did we come with? Hampshire? Did he get together with him? I think they got together a little bit, but the biggest drama was Malcolm Stewart and uh, Matt Gurky, because uh, of course Gurky uh, like kind of vying for a championship in that series, and there is a all-encompassing championship arena cross, outdoors, and supercross to think mm-hmm. about. Um, and of course, Malcolm Stewart uh, getting between uh, Matt and a, an a overall victory, as well as putting him on the ground and eventually uh, like. It was like they they just more or less came together than there was anything. Uh, I don't think it was malicious in 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 any way, but um, yeah, the fact is they came together, and I I was literally like within steps away from uh, Matt Gerke's mechanic giving uh, uh, getting in Malcolm's face and giving him a bit of an earful. That was actually pretty entertaining. Oh, and, wow. uh, um, yeah, Malcolm's handlers were uh, having none of that, and it was a whole thing. So. Uh, um, there were some tense moments there. I also happened to uh, take in um, Josh Hansen showing up with full-blown outdoor suspension and just basically being beside himself all day for the fact that he was basically handcuffed and that he couldn't really do much or anything. He was sort of just like took it with a grain of salt and, yeah, it's not going to be my night sort of thing. So, yeah, um, yeah like, it was just like he, he had a couple of uh, scary moments just for the fact because that was like – I wouldn't say a full-on supercross track, but they had some supercross sections that required uh, like that. Like there was a um, like a triple onto a table that uh, if you didn't have supercross stuff, like good luck. Um, and then uh, the whoops, I, I like this is something that I'll never uh, completely understand. Maybe it's because they only do four supercrosses all season long, but I don't think any of the Canadian guys had actual supercross suspension other than Colton Vassiati. Well, how, I mean, up there, it's in, indoor, I, I don't really see much of Canadian racing other than outdoors. So, like, are they even used to what those settings should even be? Uh, well, like, guys like Colton would because they, they go down to Club MX, um, or uh, not Club, he goes to uh, GPF and legitimately rides Supercross for a good portion. Like, he he trains for Arena Cross on a Supercross track. Um, so he, and he would have the, like the, the wherewithal to actually like acquire supercross suspension and know what to do with it. Um, but I, I don't like, I, I will literally send you a slow motion video of a couple of the bikes going through the whoop section and it's just like tires in the fenders and, and a whole nine yards. It, it's pretty, it was, um, it was unfortunate to see that they, they, like the, uh, maybe they weren't as prepared as they needed to be, or maybe they just didn't really think that the the, the track was going to be that serious. But Jetworks built a full blown Supercross track uh, for the most part, and uh, yeah, the transitions were steep, the transitions were abrupt, and uh, yeah, you need to be on your toes. But um, enough about the Montreal Supercross. We're fifty nine minutes into this thing. We haven't talked four fifties, like the <laughs> title of this podcast will suggest. Um, so let's just dive straight into this thing with the guy that with the big number one plate on his bike, uh, should have basically had the number, uh, should have had the, the points lead the entire season, uh, lost it for, uh, a, a good two weeks there. But, uh, Eli Tomac, uh, goes back to back champs for the first time since Ricky Carmichael did it back in 2016 or 2000, no, 2006. Uh, surprised that we haven't yeah. seen a back to back champ since. Uh, just with how many guys that we've seen dominate the sport, but uh, nevertheless, uh, injuries have happened, and uh, we got a double champion mm-hmm. uh, on our hands, and uh, in a championship that, in my opinion, was never really all that close. What's your thoughts? I mean, it was close to Red Bull, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, I mean, his, uh, you know, he did it to himself there, but other than that, I, I didn't, I really wasn't ever worried about Marvin um, winning this thing. Um, Eli's shown i mean consistency so much this season like he had two bad races at red bud he and then his other um i guess kind of iffy moto was the last moto of the year iron man um you know when he was in championship uh protection mode so uh i don't I, I don't think it was ever close i don't there was never a worry i guess what, what i would say did, I, I mean did you have a worry no, not at all. Uh, Eli was able to win races at will, basically. Uh, and when, when he needed to drop the hammer, he dropped it. And uh, there was more than a few motos that he probably could have settled for um, 
like a, a third or a second and didn't he dropped the hammer and just just dropped those guys um obviously some close finishes with some of the motos that he like had some bad starts or uh someone was able to jump out ahead of him but like the the amount of time that he was able to eat up on those guys time and time again like i think like you could probably go through the season and count at least 10 times more uh, that he was down by 15 seconds plus and was not only able to erase that deficit, but then tack on another five, 10 seconds on top of that. Um, it was, dom- it was dominating. It was impressive. And uh, at no point did I ever see that it was uh, um, out of reach. Uh, like obviously uh, with Redbud, like that's a mechanical error. And, and the moto that follows that is a, a bit of egg on his face. Uh, like maybe the, the lowest point of the last couple of years in Eli Tomac's career. But, uh, for, for 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 all intents and purposes, I think he was uh, just straight up the better guy. I think he he even distanced himself even more from uh, some of the guys who uh, com- competed closer with them last year. Guys like Blake Baggett, who of course wasn't 100 percent healthy, but uh, for all intents and purposes, Eli Tomac was supremely dominant uh, all summer long. And uh, to me, it's even more impressive the fact that um, like the guy the guys at the top right now. The your Marvin Muscans, Ken Roxins, Bar, Justin Barsha's, like those guys are like, like that might not be a huge depth of talent, the top four guys, but all four of those guys are completely legit. They can all run that pace, and uh, they've all got the fitness. Uh, but he was able to find uh, some extra special uh, sauce uh, weekend after weekend, and uh, that's why he's going to carry the number one plate again. I mean, he won fifteen motos. Uh, possible 24 and I mean I kind of picture this as you know going back a few years ago to Villapoto on the Kawasaki and uh, Dungey on the KTM and Muscan was kind of like this year he was just he was always there always on the podium and if he wasn't he was in fourth Um, he didn't finish worse than fourth all season which I think is really I mean that's Dunge like you know very Dunge like never threw it away and you know, Villapoto, he was a little bit more, I guess, accident-prone, even though he did win championships by a large margin over Dungey. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's that Cowie and KTM um, kind of comparison through the years. For sure. There, you can definitely draw some lines there. I think there's uh, some parallels also in the fact that Eli Tomac is the kind of guy who, or the kind of rider that, uh, um, like Ryan Villapoto, they can't help but ride on the absolute edge. They can't help but go as fast as they can because they know they have that speed and they have the confidence to ride that edge. Uh, whereas uh, I don't, I, I think that Marvin Muscan is capable of a lap time very similar or even sometimes faster than Eli, Eli Tomac, but I don't feel like he's comfortable riding that edge uh, all the time or, or for definitely not for a, a 30 minute moto. And, um, I think uh, we saw time and time again that uh, um, when it came to just you got to uh, throw your balls on the bar pad and just go faster than the other guy, uh, Eli Tomac was able to do that. Marv wasn't, and, and that's why he's the runner-up this week, this year. But uh, um, like far and away the, the second-best guy weekend after weekend and actually was able to steal some motos and even over, and a couple overall victories. Like Hats off to the guy, whether it be, I think it was, was it Southwick that he won as well? Southwick and... Uh, Muscan? Yeah. Yeah, he won uh, Southwick, and he won Unadilla. Redbud. Yeah, yeah, oh, he actually finished fifth in one moto at Tennessee, so I was wrong. He did finish worse than fourth, but Fair just enough. once. Yeah. Yeah. So. I can't remember what, what race it was. I think it was... I don't know. It wasn't one of the muddier races. I want to say it was either Muddy Creek... Or no, even later in the season, when uh, both Barsha and Marvin had horrible starts, and those guys ripped through the pack all the way up to like uh, not like right behind Eli, but basically like those guys dropped everyone in a very short amount of time. That to me was one of the most impressive rides of the year. Yeah, there was a couple that stood out to me um, as far as not Eli. You know, like there's you know there's promises of. You know, Roxanne coming back and and Barsha. I, I mean, I was in attendance his last at Ironman, so I mean, that that was actually a cool motto for me yeah. um, to see him come back and go one one. There's a, I mean, there's always gonna be some standout rides, but um, 
I mean, yeah, Tomac just on another level. And it's it's going to be interesting to see next year if he can actually hold it together in Supercross because I can see him going for a three-peat really easily with uh, with outdoors. Oh, for sure. I uh, I think that uh, um, he would definitely love ha- love that that feather in your cap. There's only uh, I can't think of too many guys that have have done that, um, or if any, uh, I have to look. Um, if anyone's gone three in a row, I know of course uh, Carmichael had two thousand oh one oh two oh three, so he's got four in a row. Um, Oh four, he actually and oh five and oh six. Never Ricky Carmichael. Think like I don't know if you've ever like taken taken full That's digestion right. of this. N- Ricky Carmichael never didn't win the outdoor championship, of which he ever. raced more than half of the races. Ever, ever, <laughs> ever. The uh, only yeah, championships he didn't great. win that he competed in outdoors was his rookie season. And his abbreviated uh, championship in 2007. Those are the only two seasons that Ricky Carmichael did not compete and win outdoors. Yeah, you're talking about 96, though, when he came in. Yeah, that's what I mean. Right? Yeah, 96, yeah. when he raced the yeah. last two races of the year. Steel City yeah, that's ridiculous. and Gainesville. Um, I don't think we'll ever see anything like that happen ever again. No. Just not even, not no, even not that with any talent that's coming up. Basically, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a decade of pure dominance and no one even really getting more from the sniff, including two perfect seasons. Um, and that's why he's the greatest of all time. But um, like to touch on uh, to, to Ken Roxon here, I, th- I think that this was a, a positive summer for Ken Roxon. I think we saw Ken Roxon at, can we even say 80%? Can we say 75%? Um, which is really impressive mm-hmm. to think that he was still like, Right, in, like he, I think he won a moto, um, and uh, was close to the front, and at times was able to run the pace. But um, he just seemed like a wounded warrior out there, spinning laps, do, like doing the best he can. But um, I think that uh, like it was one of those things where you got to be out there to fulfill the contract uh, co- contract obligations and and continue to race. Like if you're feeling that like that up to the up to the job, you got to go out there and do your stuff. But uh, I think that. Uh, for the most, like for, yeah, like for the most part, I think uh, Ken was uh, kind of a, a shell of his former self uh, compared to where he could be, and I expect 2019 to be a much better season. It's, I mean, it's even a wonder he was even out there this summer, and the fact that he's even riding a dirt bike is amazing at this yeah. point. I don't, I mean, with the two arm injuries, like, how does that even happen? Like, you know, yeah. I'm just watching him, and just like, how is he even holding on right now? Like, any lesser man would just be like. I don't know, crying in a corner or something like he, I think it, for him, I mean, look, as the, as the season went on, he, he got on the podium more. He won two motos. Yeah. He got more than a few second place finishes, uh, third in points. Like how can you be mad at that? If you're him, no. I know he wants to win and he's a competitor, but man, he's, I think at most, I mean, shoot, I hate to get percentages on this because no, he wasn't his full potential. But then again, he was consistent, and I, I can't even believe he's riding still. So yeah. who knows if he comes out next year and swinging? I, I think we'll see. I think we'll see him back in the championship hunt. I'm never going to count that dude out at anything for sure. And, and he's even admitted that uh, the the arm uh, from Anaheim to 2017 likely will never be uh, what it was. Um, and uh, and the mobility and the strength and this that and the other thing he'll he'll always have some issues with that. But that being said, I think he can get back to a championship contending uh, spot and obviously third in the championship. You, you could consider him uh, a contender all season long, uh, but definitely uh, a tick off of where he was. Uh, he's he's won this championship twice, I might add. Uh, so mm-hmm. um, like I I think he can get back there, and I think the Honda is a good bike to be on. Um, and uh, his honestly, the guy who probably is his closest competitor, and uh, a, a guy that we saw battle tooth and nail uh, together, I believe it was at Redbud, Redbud, and uh, Justin Barsha, Ken uh, Ken Roxon were doing battle all summer long, and uh, I gotta I gotta ask you this, is and like it's honestly it's also between these two, Ken Roxon coming back from the arm injury and the whole nine yards, awesome story. Justin Barsha, this time last year, was uh, sourcing out a privateer Honda uh, sponsored by uh, Alpine Star and a few other friends. He got some help. 
goes to Monster Cup now in in one week's time is going to be representing the United States of America in the most prestigious motocross race of the year. Is is Justin Barsha the comeback rider of the year? I think so. Yeah, well then I'll disagree with you. I think uh, Roxon is. I think uh, I think Roxon definitely is. You know, how do you come back from that? You, I I don't even think he would actually come back and he, he won two motos. Like, how do you do yeah. that? Like, I don't think anyone realizes how bad this was. Like, he was probably thinking about retirement for a couple of months and just be like, I can't come back. And I think the coolest part about both of these stories is that it's both based off of humbleness. They've both been humbled in different ways. Ken with injury and Barsha with, Hey, no one likes me anymore. I don't have any yeah. friends. Um, you know, no one called him anymore. So, uh, they both had to restart and hit the reset button. And, um, come back fighting because if they didn't they're both looking at their careers being thrown down the toilet absolutely and uh no i I was i'm very impressed with justin barsha to have the poise and the uh the wherewithal to to basically claw back into a situation where he can uh um he can fight for uh moto wins obviously did he he go one one at the the last race yeah one one he went one one man one like is, is that just like a a big old stamp on the on the lap like the obviously he'd already been uh um like named to the team and stuff like that but like basically like this like a full compassing year and on the last race of the year goes one one boom i'm back baby let's see it in 2019 mm-hmm. uh i was impressed uh it was like almost kind of like it was almost reminiscent to go back to like bam bam of almost like 250s bam bam not even like factory honda bam bam or like factory yamaha when he's knocking off moto wins against dunge like like 250 back-to-back uh east champion uh um justin barsha who uh like was doing platinums back when west williams made cool videos mm-hmm. and uh like you <laughs> yeah, know what way i mean back like when. That, it was very very reminiscent and honestly like i'm not, I'm not like i'm a fanboy here but i was happy to see it uh, Justin Barsha coming back. I think he's a colorful character. I like, I, I, I don't know if, um, like all the kids in the world should see, uh, one of their favorite racers flipping somebody off. But as an adult, I love to see, uh, that he's more than willing to, uh, tell people that they're number one on a regular basis, uh, especially teammates that they have to see each other back at the truck. That was hilarious. Um, both yeah, these stories, Ken good. Roxon, Justin Barsha, uh, huge, um, huge like I, I love these stories like yeah both these guys and the uh, cool autograph about, lines got longer in 2019 yeah definitely and the coolest part about Barsha I mean at Ironman he came out in that that one practice that they had and just laid down a, a heater right away and it, you could tell right away that he was just comfortable and it's something I hadn't seen out of him in a long time though where I before the motos started I was like he's gonna probably win this but i didn't think he'd win both motos i didn't see that coming but he did he, he made it happen and he finished one point behind roxon so i think that's also another point that roxon is a comeback guy because he finished one point ahead of him there you Just go but one hey I, I i'm hey you don't see me too arguing too much they've both had amazing stories yeah they um do. And uh, so as you exit the top four uh, and things get a little bit more um, maybe like little like irregular, there's, the, there's, a, uh, like, so there's a bit more randomness to the, to the, uh, the finishes. I think more of those guys that yeah. have the ability to get up to that fifth spot and, and have a hard time going much further. Uh, and then there's some guys that can finish in that top five spot that in some motos you see them as far back as ninth. Um, and that goes for guys like Blake Baggett. Uh, Cooper Webb, Ben Benny Bloss, uh, Pike, Nicoletti Hill, but like let's let's talk about those the 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 most consistent top two, which was uh, um, Blake Baggett and then uh, Cooper Webb, who kind of turned things on a tiny bit towards the uh, the end of the year. Uh, starting with Blake Baggett, the guy never seemed to get going all of 2018, including Supercross. What do you think held him back? I don't know. Maybe. The only thing I can really think of is that his program's kind of getting stale a little bit. Um, he kind of, I don't know, he hasn't really made any, you know, videos or any kind of thing to show what he's doing. 
So like, I don't like, he just, he goes away from the races and he just, I guess he just puts in laps at the El Chupacaba ranch. I don't, and maybe that's just getting stale for him. I know he has, he said that he's had people over and he likes to ride other people's tracks, but maybe he needs to switch it up and, and, uh, I don't know, get a new training partner or someone to chase around at the track, maybe an up and coming rider. Yeah. Uh, I think you're right. I think he's just, uh, a little bit too close to the vest and uh, it's really tough to gauge yourself uh, if you're not riding with uh, some top tier talent. I think uh, um, Jeremy Martin benefited from that in Supercross riding with Eli Tomac. And I think that mm -hmm. uh, um, like you could basically uh, like credit a lot of Zach Osborne's success on the Husqvarna with going to uh, the Baker's factory and basically yeah, uh, totally. having to chase around uh, at least two of the the best riders in the world, and in 2017, uh, the lump Ryan Dungey in that as well. Like that's just an environment that breeds going fast. Where uh, if you're the fastest guy, or even the only guy at the track, I don't like I don't know. There's too many guys that have the ability to just uh, drop their lap times and be that fast on a on a Wednesday afternoon. And it's weird. Like I don't remember ever recalling anything coming out of him being hurt or not. I mean, all these guys have bumps and bruises, but I don't remember ever seeing anything on, he's not a hundred percent. And I mean, the dude loves outdoors so much that he just never really kind of had that smile or like confidence or swagger that, that we were used to seeing from him. You know, a couple of years ago, he said that, you know, about Tomac, about having a famous dad. Oh, I'm going to break him. Never really had a chance to, yeah, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna break him. Just stuff like that. He just he finished on the podium four times. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking here four times. One second place. Uh Bud's Creek. Yeah. That's, and and not even really at the top in, in times at all. Like you know what yeah. I mean? Like he like he like I think yeah. he might have gotten the pole position a couple of times, but like I don't know. And it's just like he just like he was it was just a, a super quiet year for Blake Baggett. Compared to the 2017, yeah. where he was like one of the dudes, and he was more um, alive in Supercross this year. I, I tend to think, which is weird, because you're like, oh, he's going to be, he's going to be better outdoors now. Like he's going to be fighting for this championship, and it, it never happened. And I thought that was kind of weird too. Yeah, no, I, I you think that like uh, a, a positive um, outdoors would translate in or indoors would translate into uh, his bread and butter kind of even shining just that much more, mm -hmm. but uh, didn't end up being the case. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think um, Blake Baggett, I, I, he might've had a little bit of a thumb issue. I remember hearing a, maybe a tiny bit about something like that, but uh, nevertheless, I, I uh, expect and hope for, uh, for better things in the future for Blake. Um, because I think that uh, the number four has the talent uh, to be up front, and uh, maybe we'll see more of that uh, after. Like, I, I, he, I doubt he does any off-season stuff. Uh, he's not contractually obligated to do any of that stuff, other than Monster Cup. We'll see how that works out. And a lot of guys got, and honestly, like this is no slight to Blake, but guys like Blake seem to mail it in for uh, Monster Cup. I'm not sure why, but like you ever notice that how like. Like mid tier guys just sort of seem to be rolling around out there for uh, for that one. Yeah, I mean, if there's if you get if you also after the first main event too, like if you didn't win the first one, it's like, ah, hey, what's the point of being here? Like, I'm not yeah. gonna be a millionaire, so no, they know, just, whatever. They they're uh, they're thinking about going to the pool and enjoying Vegas for a day, maybe a day day and a half before they have to start uh, um, full blown uh, testing Supercross and boot camp starts. But uh, let's roll this thing forward to a guy who's having a sophomore year in the 450 class. He's a he's an outdoor champion. He's a double champion in the 250 class. Cooper Webb, um, leg injury and all, uh, not a 2018 to write home about. He'll be on a new machine as soon as that press release can come out. I'm sure he's got a bunch of orange shit at his house right now. Um, <laughs> like... Could this have, could it have gone worse in 2018 for Cooper Webb? It could definitely go worse. But, I guess like uh, I think Cooper <laughs> Webb's 2018 was definitely better than Ken Roxon's 2017, but like not by much. This whole uh, 450 experience has gone down the shitter for for Webb, and it's weird. 
I didn't expect to see. Uh, I, honestly, first season I thought he'd be winning one or two. Like even Cole Seeley came up in his rookie year and won. And in my opinion, Webb was a better rider than Seeley. I mean, still to this day, I still feel that. But I don't know if it's the 450 Yamaha that didn't gel with him and the injuries and just never got it going. He's lost confidence. Um, he's just something in his program isn't right. Um, maybe he's got some off the track problems too. We don't know. We don't see what, what he goes in through day in, day out. So maybe, maybe. I think the leg did you know, hold him back more than he'd admit. Yeah. I mean, that's true. I mean, I, honestly, I don't, they don't ever want to admit that because it just shows that they're weak. So, I mean, they, he, I don't know, fresh start is probably the best way for him to go. And, and it's going to be interesting to watch him and, uh, Muscan be teammates next year. That's for sure. I uh, I can't see that uh, being a warm relationship. Um, actually, <laughs> very similar all. to the Marvin Dean relationship for the uh, like kind of uh, abbreviated two year stay that uh, Dean had over at uh, Factory KTM. A lot of people forget that he was there for that long because uh, with the knee injuries and stuff like that. Um, I actually I heard from Dean basically himself that. Uh, um, both Dungey and Marvin probably didn't say two words to Dean the whole the whole two years. So I think that will be a similar situation um, for for Coop. Uh, my my biggest question in all this is where does Seth Rarick uh, fit in? Because uh, obviously those guys have been uh, tied at the hip, and a lot of the reasons why uh, Seth mm-hmm. is in the position he is with Yamaha and, yeah. and, and JGR and, and working with Swanepoel is is obviously his his close relationship with uh, with Cooper. So. I'm interested to see how that goes. Maybe I have to shoot uh, shoot Rarick a text and see what's going to go on that way. But um, yeah, it's got to get better for 2019. And if it doesn't, uh, holy shit, it, this is this yeah. is bad. It is. It'll it would be really bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's it, been so much money spent on on Coop and uh, you know, but you know, like back in the day, there's double champions or whatever there's been champions that never panned out so i mean i yeah well i just steve didn't see it come from web as, though as awesome as steve lampson is he never i don't think he ever won a 250 supercross no he never did so so like uh yeah. or yeah like like fucking mike brown never won a 250 supercross um so it's happened i mean i don't think yeah. jmart will ever move up and win a 450 yeah i mean he's just not built for that so no no yeah that's true uh, i think i i kind of uh i see a jmart moving up and like sort of being a brock tickle uh and not to say that brock tickle's a bad guy or that uh, that's not a good role to have but like like on his best night second third on his worst night 12th like but like for yeah. the most part seven to nine um and and there's nothing to be ashamed about that that's like that's just like the reality is, is that we there, there is an elite in this sport that perennially find a way to go faster than anybody, and there's usually about three or four of them, maybe maybe four of them, that are able to do that, that sort of thing. And uh, the guys fifth or back, um, I don't even know what they're missing, but it's that X factor that guys like Eli Tomac, guys like Jason Anderson, guys like Marvin Muskan, guys like Ken Roxon and Justin Barsha have that others don't. And uh, maybe it's confidence, maybe it's skill, maybe it's just consistency. Maybe it's all all three of those things. But uh, those those guys seem to uh, get it figured out weekend after weekend after weekend, year after year. And uh, when you move up to the 450 class like Cooper Webb did, uh, it's tough to keep pace with those guys because uh, they don't wait up for you. Yeah, and I mean, the end of the outdoors wasn't terrible for Webb after the injury he went through. I know. We just have such high expectations for him because we're, we're expecting him to come in and be a winner. It's just the second year. What's going on? Like, why is he shitting the bet on this? And, you know, finish the year off with a fourth at Ironman in the second moto. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good strong. way to end the year. And then, you know, come in if he can stay healthy this off season, fresh start. I think I'm going to jump on this bandwagon real quick because I think uh, going to the KTM will be a good thing. And I'm not giving up hope just yet. I think he's going to have a good Supercross season. Fair enough. You heard it here first. Troy Bedgen with the scoop. Oh, yeah. He's calling multiple Supercross wins and uh, second overall in points this uh, this season, uh, 2019 Supercross, which uh, um, will not yeah. be coming to a Supercross near you. Wait, 
Yeah, they're not going to Kentucky, but they're going to Nashville. Isn't how far no. is that from you? Nashville, I think it's like four hours or something. Closest That's one I got to Indy. So oh, Indy's not bad. So fair enough. Yeah, it's like two hours. Fair enough. So let's uh, um, let's round out the the top ten and and some of also some notables here uh, because we did have a pretty depleted field rolling into this one. Uh, no slight to uh, guys like Dylan Merriam or Brandon Shar, but when those guys are knocking down top tens on a regular basis in the early season motos, uh, that is not good for business if you are Davy Coombs or uh, MX Sports. Um, when like when when guys are like like there's like guys are getting like guys are lapping up to eighth or sixth, like that's. That that is a that is not a great look, um, but uh, before we get to that portion of things, uh, Ben Benny Bloss, Weston Pike, Phil Nicoletti, which will be uh, he signed a two year deal to race in Canada for the rest of his life, uh, and Justin Hill, <laughs> yeah. who eventually uh, got off the two fifty F after uh, uh, n- not getting points a bunch, um, and uh, who is the best of the rest? Like like in my opinion, obviously with the the. Uh, the, the, the hand, um, Weston Pike was basically just sort of rolling around out there doing the best he can and was completely handcuffed by that. I think it's Benny Bloss, uh, podium in a moto, uh, and a, and a dry one at that. Um, I think it's gotta be, uh, it's gotta be Benny. I agree to an extent with you on that. I mean, Pike's obviously the best of the rest always, yeah. no matter if he's, you know, it's the injury that held him back. So you know, Bloss was impressive. That that podium was really cool to see. Um, I agree with you on that. Uh, dude, you got the whole Phil situation's really got me like bummed out. Like I, you know, he's a big following, whatever. But the guy's just a working a workhorse and just like every like working man's like hero, like for motocross. Like the the guy just has grinded his way up to get where he's at, and the fact that he can't get a ride here anymore is ridiculous like now he has to go to canada where people where american riders go to die <laughs> yeah like seriously like i mean uh like there's a ton of guys like damon huffman uh craig decker uh matt Gerke to an extent brett metcalf yeah paul carpenter jeff gibson uh, but they're all at the end of their careers you know I mean, like well yeah now I guess- so is phil nicoletti turned pro in like 2008 yeah, but he keeps getting better and better. You I know. know. It's like, like, he's, if, if you put him on JGR, outdoor only, like Chad Reed, Supercross only, that to me makes way too much sense to not do it. And, uh, and yeah, like in, and have him be able to, to let him go race like the, some, some off-season races on a Suzuki or uh, like uh, Australian Supercross or something along those lines um, would be completely uh like this makes sense to me and uh phil nicoletti is wait uh, is he's like he should be he should be, like he, he'll wait like mark my words he wins the championship in canada next year bar none. i mean if he doesn't i'm gonna i'm gonna be upset about it because he should i yeah. mean he's getting i mean yeah okay it was a mud moto in, at unadilla but he's still got a podium and he's had to ride like 800 different bikes this season and two different classes, like give the guy a break. He, whatever he's riding, he's making yeah. it work. And he fished six overall, you know, like, and now you can't get a ride. And, but yet, yeah. you know, makes no sense. Uh, yeah. Martin DeBalos can still get a 250 ride. Just yes, saying. Yes, he can. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, well, for all intents and purposes, uh, Phil's uh, eligible for that as well. He could sort of get that. Like, I don't think he has the skills. Uh, to race 250 Supercross the same way Marty does. But yeah, they're, they'd kind of almost be in the same boat. But uh, the, the reality is, is that uh, Martin has, quote-unquote, uh, race-winning speed on the 250, and uh, even though he hasn't showed it in the last year or so. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, Bill Nicoletti should yeah. be racing in the States. That's all I'm going to say about that. Absolutely. The fact that he's not is kind of, I don't know, kind of lose his faith. Like, why? Like, who, did, who does... Who has like dirt on him? Like I don't know. I'm sure well, he hasn't really wronged anyone. Like yeah, he's he's dirty, but like you know, yeah. and I don't, I don't get it. I, it's just not a set. I, I think he just he's he's a uh, um, 
he's not a sexy pick. You know what I mean? Like I think he doesn't really have the like he doesn't throw big whips. He doesn't go the doesn't do the quads. He doesn't like have that like brash bad boy image. I, he's just a lunch bucket guy and uh, sort of like a Travis Preston of sorts, uh, perhaps or somewhere else along those lines from a different era. Um, but, uh, yeah, for whatever reason, um, just can't get, uh, regular scheduled work. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate. Ever. Like, I think like you could argue that he's been, although maybe not have the top end ceiling of a, uh, of a Justin Hill was, was better than, than Justin was throughout the season. And, uh, even though it maybe doesn't have that, that, that winning potential, um, like uh yeah it's uh he's he's a like he'll he'll finish higher in points in every championship he races uh, against uh, against I guess Justin on a 450 you can mark my words on that I mean obviously the only thing Justin has on him is you know that that youth and yeah. um the flashes of brilliance where Phil's just that you know and big tails. daddy yeah yeah but at the same time it tossing him off the bike into trees too and <laughs> You know, yeah, for sure. I, you know, Phil's just Phil's just going to be silently chugging along on yeah. six and points. So and that that uh, that he is, and uh, yeah, a solid solid summer for uh, for Phil. Considering, yeah, he rode two different motorcycles, uh, three if you include uh, the two fifty in the su- in, in uh, Supercross. So uh, an eventful year for him, and uh, bummed to see that he'll be on the OTSSF. Uh, Yamaha team for two seasons minimum up in Canada, uh, riding with FXR gear. Uh, find that out from uh, Andy White this weekend in Montreal. So that's exciting. I'm just uh, bummed that I can't see him race ever again in my life because I'll fly you up. Don't worry about it. Two years and everyone, you know, your series eats him up, and then I'll never see him again. So thank you for that. No problem. I, I appreciate. It. I'll yep. uh, when when the Great. when the series comes to Manitoba, I'll uh, I'll personally uh, fly Troy Benjamin out <laughs> so you can watch Phil Nicoletti of all people. Maybe even that'll get be awesome. A poster. That'd be great. I'm definitely gonna be get first in line. Give me a poster. I'm I'm signing. I want him to sign it for me. So perfect. Uh, he'll scribble on that thing for. You. They always do. Now let's talk privateers before uh, uh, the the hour mark comes around and you turn into a pumpkin on me. Um, yeah, Kyle Cunningham. I believe he finished tenth in points. Am I correct about that? You are. You would be correct if you said that. So yes, top ten in points. Did he do enough to have a ride next year? Absolutely not. He did not. Um, <laughs> that's the sad part about it. I mean, unless I think he need um, to come to Canada. He, he might. That's the thing. Him and Phil are like the same guy. Basically, yeah. Phil, I mean, you know, like the slightly they better equipment on, on Kyle's bike. Yeah, he'd probably knock down some some good rides. Better yeah, than Supercross. I know that. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Like Kyle Cunningham's just better in Supercross. That's all I was going to say. Yeah, your point. That's true. But I mean, I think his Hep Suzuki team's uh, not really quietly searching for a big name rider or you know another. Um, marquee guy, so I don't know if uh, if there's going to be a spot for Kyle, when which sucks because Kyle is a really good rider and he's humble. I mean, obviously, tenth in a series is no joke. I mean, even you can, if you say that it wasn't as deep, and I do agree to an extent, but at the same time, you have to be there week yeah. in and week out. And he did that; he did all the right things, but yet he's always going to be searching for a job at, at the end of the year. That's just how it's been for him since he turned pro pretty much. Absolutely. And I think you do have the, uh, the season's results open in front of you. If I'm not mistaken, Kyle Cunningham very well could have not scored any points in at least five motos this season. He did one, two, three, four, five, six motos where he scored zero. And then the last uh, moto of the year, he had one point. So Wow. So basically, yeah. he called that a zero. So eight. So set, six? Seven. Yep. Seven. He, I mean, it was definitely inconsistent. That's but... insane. No, but like that, like to give him even a handful of points in any of those, like he's knocking on the door on ninth. Which was, which was uh, Webb. So, you know, 15 points or so, 17 points off that. And Webb started at Southwick, yeah. which was, 
you know, so I around yeah, the same, like the they're basically the like that's they're, they're very similar as far as the the motos they were actually able to compete in and and get mm-hmm. points. Uh, not to say that Kyle Cunningham and Cooper Webb are the same guy, but just like that that to me is uh, like like they're Kyle Cunningham and, and Cooper Webb are going in two different directions right now as far as their career. Uh, Kyle Cunningham is kind of like holding on to things a little bit, hoping he put a program together for 2019. And Cooper Webb's going to factory KTM. Yep, it's interesting. I mean, uh, but at the same time, Kyle was at all the rounds. I'm not sure about Thunder Valley because he didn't make the motos. So, um, but Webb, but then again, Webb started at Southwick and wasn't at any of those. So, yes, uh, you know, Webb obviously has the ride for a reason. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Double champion and uh, an outdoor champion. Uh, yeah. No, no big deal. Uh, hashtag analysis. Uh, Cunningham, but, yeah, Cunningham is never going to get a factory ride. No, uh, no, I, has he, I think he's had like factory supported rides. I know he was in Star. I mean, he was on Star, but, but and, like Geico, yeah. was he like he's an actual Geico rider two years ago? Like, or not Geico? Uh, JGR. He rode the two fifty for them, right? But that was a fill in deal. No, he did. I don't know if he filled in, but he yeah, did he the two fifty. Twenty seventeen. I remember. You remember he's better than mine. There yeah. you go. Yeah, he did. Uh, I just remember that because I was. Uh, I remember talking to uh, Jer- Jerry uh, Albrecht, and I was like, "Is like, he's like, I didn't know he was that good." I was like, "That's what everybody sells. He's that mm-hmm. good." But uh, he is good. He's he is got good. great riding style. Yeah. Oh, he looks great on the bike. Like, if, like if if I if I can have one guy pose as me to do a, a poster, Kyle Cunningham probably. I mean, the dude never moves his head. Like, if you watch him, his whole entire body moves. But he never moves his head. It's like the weirdest riding style I've ever seen in my life, but I like it. It's not bad. I, I move specifically in my head. Nothing moves my head's moving around. It's really interesting. You should, you should see it sometime. And I just move everything in and out of ruts. So, oh, know. for sure. No, I, my, my, uh, my specialty <laughs> while riding is actually climbing my front tire out of a rut. It's really hard to do. Yeah. Uh, and I'm able to do it almost every time I go into a corner. Um, but uh, yeah, so let, let's uh, crack this thing open with some bench racing and bullshit questions to finish this thing off. Then we right. got the fat, fast house, fast five questions to cap this thing off. Then I can put you to bed. Sound good? Way past your bed. Sounds good, buddy. Yeah. It is. All right. Quick answers here. You don't need to elaborate too much. But was this a good outdoor season? Now I have to elaborate on that. It was, and it wasn't. I was kind of. I don't know if it wasn't really, you know, trying to get on the TV to watch it every moto. Like, it was kind of, I kind of knew what was going to happen, at least in the 450 class. Yes. 250 class, I was like, yeah, this is a good season. But 450 class kind of had a little little blah to it. So, it was and it wasn't. And I think it was for 250 class and it wasn't for 450. Fair enough. Yeah, there there was good racing, and there, like we talked about that in the two fifty, uh, there was like a, yeah. multiple moto winners. There was guys coming through the pack. There was guys getting injured. There was multiple moto winners, and obviously uh, the the fiasco that was the pro circuit team. Um, so, uh, <laughs> what needs to happen to improve the outdoors, other than more money in it? Uh, I think we touched on this in the 250 podcast, but I'm a firm believer of there being a 250 kind of amateur push towards the pros, like um, almost like an amateur all-star series. Yeah, basically like that, just with all the up and coming guys. So it gives them more of a chance to blend in and, um, you know, not be one and done as we've seen so many times through the years. I think you're right. I think that would be uh, a huge kind of tip of the cap to uh, not only amateurs and but just like kind of like uh, I think that like all too often people don't really get to see these amateurs until they're under the bright lights of of the pros. Uh, I think it would be cool to kind of like uh, sort of give people an idea or a look at what's coming up, uh, so they can kind of like. Uh, kind of see them come along and, and improve because it's amazing what these kids uh, are capable of coming from their, 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 when they're 14 to 15 to whatever. So I, I think that's a good idea. Um, what is the best national to attend? Are there anything any you, you, you'd like to but not have? Like you've not, are there any uh, nationals that you'd like to but you have not yet uh, attended? 
So the best national by far to attend, uh, it's swinging for me a little bit right now. Forever it was just Red Bud. Like that's just the top notch right there for me. Just yes, sir. always got to be there. Just the, the atmosphere of the fans and just the party that's going on. Just everyone's just so happy to be there. Uh, but now I've been going to, to Ironman for, so, for a couple of years and it's like, you know, this place is awesome. But definitely doesn't have the atmosphere that Red Bud has. So I'm gonna stick with Red Bud, but Crawfordsville is pretty damn good. It's it's so, a sneaky good race. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's, it's sneaky good. It is. The it's only thing that, key, and I, I like that. And the only thing that kind of like is it makes Crawford like uh, Iron Man like maybe not the greatest is this for the same reason why like when Steel City was the last round or when Glen Helen was the last round. Um, right everything's all wrapped up. Like there's not too often where like, like it's, there's like thing like there's a, like a, a race to be had. Like the championship two fifties already sewn up the, the race of the championship in the four fifties, unless Eli, uh, Eli Tomac had an absolutely horrendous day. That was always sewn up. So that to me yeah. kind of like it, it, uh, it, it takes a little bit off of the fastball in the race, but every, just as a, as a single event, Totally right. I think that uh, uh, Crawfordsville is a bit of a sleeper as far as a great ra- great race to attend. It's been lucky too because um, you know what was that 2015 where um, Muscan and uh, Martin were going at it. Yes, and 250 class, and then uh, past two seasons with Eli, it's been kind of drama. So you know, I, it's it hits and hit and miss with that. You know, but that's what it's going to be with the last round. But yeah, it's good. And so the ones that. I like to attend and haven't, so I'd like to get to Spring Creek one day. Yes. I mean, uh, that, that's on my it. bucket list. Um, that one and then Washougal is probably another. Those are probably the only two that I really want to go to that I haven't been able to. Yes. Oh, now that Southwick's back, I want to go to that one. So those three. Just go to them all. But, uh, no, I, I, I'm <laughs> t- I've been to Millville uh, four or five times. I love it. Uh, great track. Um, yeah beautiful track to ride like my, my game plan always is to ride uh the amateur day uh before the national which is always fun to do the track is always amazing uh the hills the mm-hmm. jumps the, everything is awesome uh obviously the sand whoops the hills it, it's it's a phenomenal track to watch as a spectator i think you're totally right i think the like my dream as a journalist would be to have a photo vest for washugal and just be able to like walk around that yeah. track during those motos and uh, barely even be paying attention to what's happening in the racing, just like just watching those guys rip in the beautiful soil and the uh, the trees and the whole nine yards, and probably just hang out by the whoops most of the time. But yeah, we should just bring Ken Worley's back. Not, cool. You're not wrong about that. That that that's a race that I never got to go to. That's now closed. Between that one and Binghamton, there's two of the tracks that I would have loved to go to that aren't on the series anymore. Dude, I still have dreams about Kenworthy's. It's so weird. I don't know why. Like, I'm just there. Like, just like, I don't I like know. I like Weirdest it. crap ever. I like, I like moto dreams. They're good. Uh, <laughs> so it's time for the, the, the fast housed fast five questions to finish off this podcast. Um, as quickly as you can answer this. All right. These five questions. If you had to buy right. your own gear, what would you buy? Well, I do have to buy my own gear. What do you buy? So I'm not cool. I'm not cool anymore. Uh, I buy, well, I've been buying Fly um, just because, I don't know, the quality and there's a kind of local friend around here that is a rep for it, so I like to support him. Okay, okay. So like we, we maintain those relationships. Good. Um, yeah. What is a bike that you've always wanted but haven't ridden or owned? Well, dude, there's so many bikes. Well, right now, I'll, I'll, we'll just go with now because there's a lot of bikes that I've always wanted to ride. But right now, I really want to get one of them, uh, the Yamaha 250Fs, man. Ooh, good, got, good call. That, those bikes are good. Yeah, that's what I want. That's what I want right now. Yeah, those. Uh, that's that's. Uh, you don't need to have hashtag analysis to know that those bikes are damn good. They've basically been dominating the 250 class for all years, other than uh, when uh, a little guy named Zach Osborne uh, showed showed off his speed. But uh, yeah, totally right. Uh, what is your one of your pet peeves 
in motocross fashion like you see someone doing a certain something uh what is it that just like you what like just completely ruins the outfit or like what is it does it have to be with racing or can it be like just anything riding like at a race yeah okay oh, man see i wanted to put in when like grown-ass men wear their jerseys to the race yes that's what i wanted to say yeah, I would but say that. Yeah. Since we're going for riding, um, I really can't stand when the goggle strap is not centered and it's like you know just contorted and thank you, just not perfect on the helmet. Thank you. That yes. gets me. And then there's guys at the track that have their entire jersey untucked. You know how like Anderson has like the one little flap. Yeah, no, they're like, they're literally, it's like the, basically the jersey is just laying in their lap, like this, like, this, like, like, this, like, this, like, like, little, like, puddle of jersey material in their lap. and a dress. Yeah, like, seriously, yeah, because, like, because most, most, most guys wear, like, like, they're they're smaller, and they wear a large jersey, and it's just flapping around, like, literally, they're wearing a sundress on a, on a Saturday afternoon, and that, 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 to me, the goggles and the jersey are, are two things that, uh. Uh, make me cringe. <laughs> That's where I'm at. <laughs> Fair enough. We are two alike as far as those things are, but we do disagree with each other time and uh, time after time. That's uh, and that's welcomed here on the podcast. It's all about having your damn right different opinions. Time uh, sometimes, like, sometimes we agree on stuff. Sometimes you have to be like Brad, you're full of shit, and this is how it actually is. But uh, um, if you have to had to attend one off season race, which one would it be? Mm. One's going on right now, or like any of all time. Uh, no, like ones, one, like ones that are regular right now. Like, whether it be like Bercy Supercross, okay. uh, Monster Cup. To, um, you know, I'll do straight rhythm this year. Okay. I would, I would like to go out there and see that. Um, yeah, just two the strokes. two strokes and the the vibe, like Bill Pedo and all them guys. Yeah, I think oh, so. Yeah. yeah. With uh, with Eli Tomac busting out the uh, the two fifty two stroke uh, edit today, uh, any chance you think see him uh, ride at the at that thing? Nope, not not a chance. He doesn't even really want. I don't think he really wants to do the donations. To be honest with you, no, I don't think so, so. either. I think that's why there's like it's been like basically radio silence from the Tomac, Tomac camp ever since uh, the last moto at at Ironman. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, uh, and then there's a there's a few reasons that we can talk about off air if you have unless you if you literally are gonna fall asleep on me as soon as we uh, hang up this call. But um, what non podcast? This is the fifth question on the fast five questions from Fast House. What is the what is the non moto podcast that you listen to? Okay, I don't. To be honest with you, I really? don't listen to anything other than moto podcast. Yeah. Fair enough. No, no, like I know I'm weird. There's like crime ones. There's like self betterment and all this other fun stuff. Dude, I've tried like everything. Like even I don't know, just stupid ones. I'm just like I can't get into any of them. Like I usually just don't. Sometimes they like to have like people on there tell stories that are like real people, and yeah. like I just get lost in their stories. And it's like, what the hell are you even talking about? And I just I, I lose interest real quick. Yeah, sometimes it's just talking noise. They're just like all of a sudden you realize, yeah. like, what am I even listening to? Yeah, totally agree. Troy Benjamin, yeah. I always appreciate your time. It's been an hour almost to the second, twenty five seconds over um, our allotted time. But uh, we started to, we started this podcast two minutes into our actual conversation, so I'm actually on borrowed time right now. Um, really appreciate you making the time for us. Thank you so much for uh, for coming on and giving your two cents. And uh, we've got a ton of great uh, comments and people asking for more of you on this podcast. So I think that's going to become more of a regular thing. Um, this has Sweet. been awesome, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on again, man. Uh, I mean, that's crazy. You're getting comments about me. Like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Absolutely. No, I get I get great feedback, and uh, people really like uh, your point of view, the way you deliver it, and uh, yeah, I think uh, and for that reason, we're gonna have to uh, get you on the uh, the the payroll here at uh, Big MX Radio. Well, I'm definitely down for that, buddy. Awesome. So bring it on. Let's do this thing. Let's do it. Well, uh, that's it for now. Thank you so much for uh, for listening. Uh, if you're on the on the podcast. Um, Follow Troy uh, at, I believe it's Troy Benjamin 455. 
or is it just Pro Benjen? Nah, I just it's just Troy Benjen now. Troy Benjen. We, we Troy Benjen on yeah. the IG. And uh, and if you live in Kentucky and happen to drive a fast on race day truck, um, go uh, go go uh, hang out with Troy and maybe he can get you some uh, a deal on some uh, some nice tires or something like that. You probably can swing some sweet deals, can't you? Oh yeah, I, I dude, bring him by the lot. We'll we'll get him hooked up with a with a fresh rod. Fair enough. Awesome. Well, uh, th- thanks for uh, coming on the show, my friend. Don't hang up just yet. But for podcast sake, we'll cut it off right there.